Step into the Wealth Elevator and join our 12,000 plus member community who have passively invested over $200 million to acquire over $2.1 billion in commercial real estate. Sign up by going to thewealthelevator.com slash club. And here we go. What's up, folks? This is the Investor Weekly News Update for June 19th, 2023. We're going to be talking about the Fed just increased rates. Just kidding, they didn't. They paused it. But we're going to be talking more about that, where this is going. Also, we're going to talk about some bankruptcies that with underground sellers and another investor submitted questions. But to kick things off, we decided to switch around the format a little bit more. There are some people that listen to these old podcasts and they may not be interested in what was going on a year or two ago. So we decided to put the lessons learned or my little musings first off so you guys can hear that. And then once we get into the monthly report or the weekly report, you guys can skip to the next podcast. Uh, We always have kind of people checking out the old podcasts and going through it, but we also want to get, get this value out to them. And with that said, if you guys have any friends, family that you think would enjoy the podcast, at least have somebody else to chit chat with it about, then you guys please go ahead and refer over to your friend. But first things first, question that an investor submitted, they've been in deals struggling in Dallas due to skyrocketing insurance costs. And yeah, these days, it's pretty much a national thing where insurance costs have been rising much with a lot of the inflation, right? And inflation rises all boats. Insurance, I would say, rose along with that tide, but also maybe last couple of years or maybe in the last five years, that little break or segment was unusually high weather circumstances, a lot of hurricanes, maybe same amount of hurricanes, but more damaging hurricanes in recent history. And this is... Basically created a perfect storm, right? Where you have inflation and rising insurance costs to make up for past claims that have been made these last couple of years. From what I've been told from insurance providers is that it goes up and down in a cyclic motion. And right now we're at the top of this, but this is why we've chosen to exit assets um, like our Mississippi portfolio, Gulf Shores, Alabama. Pretty much, I personally like to stay away from the whole state of Louisiana and Mississippi because they're not the greatest of states in general economically. But that southern part of Alabama, maybe 100 miles below Birmingham, I'd feel okay um, or definitely want to stay above that line. And then that Gulf Panhandle part of Florida, Pensacola, Tampa, that area, I wouldn't necessarily feel comfortable investing unless I really had to stay out of these really more danger zones in terms of higher insurance costs. We've been looking to specifically like in Houston, um, Harris County has high taxes and we've been looking for counties outside of those higher cost tax cost areas and shifting our focus more from multifamily value add properties to more ground up developments, which kind of plays in this, right? We're not really developing in infill locations or within kind of the city core area, we're out on that next level of expansion, out more in the suburbs. This has been a strategic move for allows us to have more control over the operational ex- aspects and expenses 
and really getting away from those forefront. And I think the question came from an individual who owns rental properties in Dallas. And Dallas has been big expansion in the last five years, at least. But now you're seeing that whiplash effect of how else, I mean, pretty much all the highways are pretty much brand new out there. How else are you going to pay for them than increasing taxes and now exasperated by insurance costs? But it's the name of the game and the costs are maybe, or unfortunately, the reality is it's passed off to the end consumer, which are the tenants. I'm not going to get into rent control. We're going to flip to the next page here. And, and you guys have about maybe half a week before the San Diego retreat starts. The whole point of this and what we're trying out this time is a little bit more abbreviated schedule. It's pretty much a day and a half of content that we have. The first day is going to be more of a classroom setting. The second half day uh, is going to be more of a workshop and it allows you guys to go home on Sunday. We're testing out the format a little bit. We'll still probably do the annual retreat in Hawaii as we've always done. And it'll be that more that relaxing, comfortable three-day format there. But for those of you guys coming to San Diego, looking to meeting you all you guys out there. But so this article talks about underground sellers. So I personally was a little impacted by this. So what was underground sellers who went bankrupt and bust? So underground seller has this kind of cool format where you were able to, they had the deal of the day, the wine of the day where you could get these great deals. And there was also a lottery component to it. I can't remember exactly what it was, but if you bought like four wines, you got to press a button where it magically possibly got upgraded to maybe a $100, $200 bottle. But I bought a bunch of wine from this company and I believe I redeemed them all. So the cool thing is you buy the wines and you store it in their cellar. And what I would do is whenever I would do events for you guys, I would cash out my wine locker with them and I would get it shipped to wherever I was at. The last time this, we were in Huntsville. So I shipped it out there and I'm pretty sure I cashed it out. At least I hope so. I must have had like about six or a dozen bottles of wine with them. But thankfully I did because the website and the company went under and there are, I guess, like millions of dollars of wine that no one can find and it's kind of gone and the company went bankrupt. And as much as we talk about the Solora stuff, the FTX stuff, pretty much like crypto Ponzi schemes, this is really no different in a way, except it was with wine. So a lot of people that kind of wonder, was the wine even real? Did you just buy it, put in your credit card information and put it into your virtual locker and there was really no real wine stored anywhere? Was I the lucky one who got, was able to cash out my wine and was really the only real hard assets there was? But that's what happened. And I actually didn't find out about this until I got a letter in the mail saying that there was some kind of class action lawsuit. I didn't really pay attention too much to it because, again, I feel like I got all my wine out of my wine locker the last time I was in Alabama. But just an example, of, I think there's a great idea, but... Man, you never know, right? These days, you never really, really know. Yahoo Finance. So this is the big one this week. The Fed had their meeting, their monthly meeting, and they decided that they were going to keep the interest rates the same, but it is a quote unquote, a very hawkish skip. 
So what they're kind of doing in a way is punting the football to next month till they can see the, a lot of the, the next month's inflation, the next month's GDP numbers, and then decide, are they going to go up another quarter point rate hike or maybe two, or maybe it'll be a quarter. And then the next month in August, September will be another quarter. Nobody knows, right? But it, in a way, it allows the Fed to look what's going on out there and then trying to decide from there. At this point, it's bringing the top of the range to 5.75. But if you look here on the left side, inflation has cooled to the lowest levels since we started this and it's continued as a go down. We're about 4% now, nowhere near the projected target of the Fed of 2%. Then again, I don't know if that's even possible, right? We, For all we know, we could just get to three and a half, which are pretty much there, or 3%. And the Fed congratulates themselves and pats them on the bat saying, yeah, we did a great job increasing the interest rates just to where it was needed. Right now, most committee members expect further rate increases by the end of the year. However, Paul emphasize no rate cuts are projected for the rest of the year. So there's a little bit of a couple of different messages there. One thing that you'll see a lot of people talking about inflation, general inflation has come down to 4.1%. However, the core CPI, core inflation has been kind of a little bit sticky, still above the Fed's target range. And we're going to have Peter Lindemann on the podcast here I think within the next month, we'll air it. But I would say be on the lookout for that one because we definitely dive more into this topic of the Fed interest rates. Now, the GDP growth increased from 0.4% to 1%, which is a sign of a good economy. And that is a bit of a warning, I would say, right? The Fed anticipates positive GDP growth over the next two quarters, which is the opposite of what you want to be seeing. Um, so if the Fed is more on the optimistic side of the economy, then you would assume that they would, because the economy is doing well, they feel like there's further room for them to increase the heat and increase interest rates a little bit more. So definitely reading a little bit between the lines with that, but we will see, right? We'll see what happens next month at the next FOMC meeting. Again, I think the people with money on the line feel like that there's at least one more rate hike. And then the question mark is how long do we hold on from there? If you guys want a lot of the webinars that we do, including the quarterly report, which we should be doing this maybe about a month, make sure you join the club at simplepassivecashflow.com slash club. Tell your friends about it. And... The next article we're going to be talking from comes from John Burns here, which is discussing the shifting demand from owning to renting, which I think all of us are aware of. But this one had a great article showing a chart here. Who doesn't like charts? But with interest rates up, this is the one of the worst times in terms of affordability. And as affordability is known as a composite between where prices are and where the mortgage rates are based on how much can people afford in terms of monthly payment. High home prices have rapidly been rising. Mortgage rates have created a rosy backdrop for the rental sector with many prospective home buyers now priced out of home ownership or forced to purchase a smaller home 
in a less desirable area. Now owning a home costs $839 more per month than renting. This differential is almost $200 than any time since the turn of century. While rents have been rising too, the disparity between rising home ownership costs and rising rents have been greatest when home prices have accelerated the most. And we've also kind of talked in past weekly updates where, you know, they broken down with people who are homeowners versus renters. The people who are renters are much more vulnerable to inflation. It sucks, but that's the reality of it. Um, if you guys want to check this out on the YouTube channel, we've got it on the YouTube channel. We've got a lot of great graphics and we break down some of the key parts of the article. If you're listening on the YouTube, we also have this in the podcast form for you guys. And if you guys haven't, make sure you pick up the book, The Journey to Simple Passive Cashflow. I think a lot of feedback is it's a great, quick, quick read that you can probably knock out in under a couple of hours. Thank you all for leaving a review that is super critical as we're getting ready to launch the next book, which is called The Wealth Elevator. And it's going to be a lot more heavier, thicker book. A lot of the premise of the book is breaking down all these paradigms between you know, trying to ascend this wealth building journey. There's too much stuff out there for just the masses, but I break it down. What do you do when you're between one to two and a half million net worth, two and a half to five, five and beyond. And then what's a mindset after that? As jokingly, like talking with another investor and he said, hey, are there any other books that are for like people like us, accredited investors? Um, because the only thing I've heard in books as far as syndication deals is, and I quote, yeah, once you found it in syndication deals, that's the golden ticket, end of quote. And that's all it pretty much says after that. But, and that's exactly what the next book is going to cover, right? What are the, the mindset? What are the strategies? What are the specific plays that you need to be running as more of a higher net worth accredited investor? But with that, we'll see you guys next time. We'll talk to you later. Bye. The proceeding is not tax, legal, or investment advice, nor an offer to sell securities or investment products. Always make informed decisions with professional guidance. Get educated and surround yourself with a community at thewealthelevator.com slash club.